You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, a game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the league-leading Milwaukee Bucks, welcoming Giannis Antetokounmpo to town. Going to be a fun one there. We'll touch on that game briefly at the end of the podcast, but... Before we get to all of that, I want to look at some of the young guys who are playing particularly well for the Pelicans today. We're going to look at Czech Diallo. We're going to look at Kenrich Williams. And then we're going to take a look at the front office and to share some things I'm hearing, what you might want to expect as we get closer and closer to the offseason. The playoffs start basically in about a month, which means we've got a month left of the regular season for your New Orleans Pelicans. So it's time to start really thinking about the future. So a lot of ground to cover in today's edition of Locked On. Pelicans. So first up, let's take a look at Czech Diallo. Diallo, you know, is the second round pick from the Pelicans a couple of years ago. Going into this year, people had high hopes he was going to kind of make that leap in his third year, but largely left you just unimpressed. Yes, he played well enough in summer league without really dominating the competition, and it would have been a bigger concern if he wasn't playing well, but him dominating doesn't tell you really anything because that's kind of what he should be doing, and he didn't even do it to the degree that we would like. And as you watched him this year not get minutes kind of stuck behind Anthony Davis at times, Nikola Mirotic, uh, Julio Okafor, and others, you had a feeling like maybe it just wasn't going to work out for him, and I was at one point wondering if he was even going to be on the team next year. But now with Anthony Davis getting shelved a good bit, Mirotic off of the team with the Milwaukee Bucks, this is a bit of a different story because he's really starting to make a claim for minutes going into next year and that he should be re-signed by the Pelicans. On the season, his numbers don't look particularly good, but let's take a look over his last 10 games post-All-Star break, which is what it's been. He is doing exceedingly well for the team during that time as I pull up the numbers here. This is a guy who in the 10 games post-All-Star game, and my computer is going so slow here as I try and stall for time. 10 games post-All-Star game, 18.3 minutes per game. He's averaging 10.1 points per game. He's doing it on 65.2% shooting. That's outstanding. And grabbing 8.3 rebounds while only turning the ball over 1.2 times per game. He's not fouling a ton. It makes you feel pretty good during this run. If you want to average it out to 36 minutes, which is maybe a better way to look at it, he's averaging basically 20 points per game and 16 and a half boards. Now, the fouls jump up there a little bit, but that's okay, and that's kind of being the biggest knock. But I'm going to tell you why I'm not worried about his almost five fouls per 36 minutes. One, you're not fouling out. He's not going to be playing 36 minutes either, and his defense has actually been pretty good during this time. Look at some of the advanced metrics when it comes to Czech Diallo. In the 10 games post-All-Star break, Belkin's defense hasn't been particularly good good. They've got a defensive rating of exactly 110, offensive rating of 107.2. It's a net rating of negative 2.8. Diallo's defensive rating 
during this 10-game stretch is actually second best on the team and really the best if you want to filter it out for minutes. In his 10 games and 18.3 minutes per game, he's got a defensive rating of 102.4. So almost 8, was at 7.6 points per better than the Pelicans are allowing as a team average. His offensive rating is okay. It's 103.5, while the team has an offensive rating of 107.2. But while the team has a negative net rating, over these 10 games, Diallo has a positive net rating of 1.2. So they're better out there on the court than without him. During this time, his rebounding has significantly improved. We've seen him putting up double-doubles basically regularly throughout this run, grabbing 10-plus boards, 16-plus boards, what have you, and he's actually got a tremendous rebounding percentage on the year. He's grabbing almost 20% of all available rebounds, offense and defense, when he's on the court for this team. Anthony Davis, for the season, doesn't even come close to that, and his rebounding percentage is significantly lower. Diallo's grabbing 31.1% of all Pelicans' defensive rebounds when he's out on the court. He's ending those possessions for the opponent. That's one of the reasons I think you're seeing his defensive rating be as good as it is. Top it off with him just not turning the ball over, and you're seeing a pretty good player here. Particularly, though, the offense is where he's even got more room to grow. He's doing this basically all in the paint. His jumper is not reliable, but this is a guy who's scoring, I think it's like almost two-thirds, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, of all of his buckets inside the paint, basically right at the rim of all of his shots. That's very efficient. I mean, you're not going to average over 65% shooting unless you're taking very efficient shots here. If he can extend his range just a little bit, even into a better mid-range form, this is a guy who has tools to be not a complete player, but one who can at least kind of contribute. And it seems like just things are a little bit easier for him during this stretch. He's rebounding better, he's timing those jumps better, and he's just out hustling guys. Maybe the fact is he's a little bit more fresh and got something to prove this late in the year compared to guys who aren't, and it's not like the Pelicans have played a brutal stretch of schedule over this run, so he's not playing you know, against the best guys. He's also a reserve, so he's not getting the start and then going up against the best rebounders and the best opponent players there either. So that plays a factor in all of this, but you have to at least be encouraged. Diallo is been so raw throughout his career and really in college he played a like a shade over 200 minutes at Kansas that basically had no real significant basketball experience coming into the league he's got high energy he's fast he jumps high but you wouldn't say he runs well you wouldn't say he jumps particularly well even though he jumps high it's just lacking that skill and if he was going to lack that skill or take time to refine it all he needed to figure this out in other ways and he's doing it He's at least timing his jumps better, so the game's coming to him a little bit more. He doesn't have that touch offensively, so just get close and score that way. That's a good way to do it, and he's putting it kind of all together, and he's been a bit of a key contributor for the Pelicans on this run, so it's been nice to see him. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him starting a game here or there in the future just to see what he's capable of doing, particularly as the Pelicans are kind of going full-on youth movement right now. So before we get to Kenrich Williams, who we're going to look at next, because he's an interesting case of player development this year, 
do need to let you guys know we've got one of the greatest betting events of the year coming up. That's the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting the first round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? Also, what is going to happen here with LSU? Does the lack of Will Wade actually propel them forward? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, my bookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in the business for years. The goal, their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking within 48 hours here. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash in. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's LOCKEDONNBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That is free money right there with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So let's take a look at another young guy here, and that's Kenrich Williams, the undrafted rookie out of TCU who had really weird hair at the Combine, but is now getting significant minutes on this Pelicans team, and a guy they really like. He made it onto the roster over a guy like Troy Williams, others that people thought might be here, but the coaching staff in the front office really saw something in this guy. And I think it's a little bit too early to say it's paying off just yet, but he's definitely an intriguing player and worth a longer look, likely the rest of this year and maybe even next year as well. On the season, this guy's playing a position of need. That is small forward. It has been a rotating cast of guys there, none of them who've been good. You're talking Solomon Hill here in all of his um, 38 field goal percentage and under 30% from three and 3.9 points per game in 20 minutes. Well, Kenrich Williams is at least averaging 5.8 points per game in 21 minutes on the season. He's shooting a little bit better from the field, shade under 40%, and at least decent enough from three on the season, 33%. But we've seen he's an excellent rebounder, and we'll touch on that in a moment. But again, let's look at his numbers post-All-Star break, because that's really where things have kind of amped up for some of these guys. Kenrich, who was hitting multiple threes per game for a while, really started to fall off in the scoring aspect of things, but he's trying to find his way in this. Post-All-Star game, in almost a little over 30 minutes per game in all 10 contests, he's averaging 7.3 points per game. He's doing it on just 33.8% shooting. Numbers low. The number's low because he's taking over five threes per game and only hitting 31.4% of them. He's taking more threes. He's not really looking to get efficient twos close to the rim by driving or anything like that. It's not his game. He's basically kind of a three and rebounding type guy more than a three and D. But he's taking so many threes, which at least the threat of him can help space the court for bigs. So him doing the volume he's doing isn't the worst thing. It's not great, but he doesn't have a high usage percentage that's going to make you really worried there. Post-All-Star break, he's also averaging five rebounds per game. Before that, though, we saw him getting close to 10 or 8 or 9 throughout uh, the regular season so far. So he's been good in that aspect of everything. Defensively, he's been a bit of a liability. He's got a defensive rating on the season of 109. Let me see what it is post All-Star game, which is really where we're evaluating these guys from. Basically, it's right at the team's average. It's 110.1. You'll remember they have a defensive rating of 110. 
exactly kind of there. His offense has been a little bit subpar. That has to do with the shooting, I think, here. A 104.8 offensive rating compared to the 107.2 for the Pelicans. It's got a negative uh, net rating of minus 5.2. No real surprise. There's no one with a huge positive net rating. Only three guys have that after the All-Star break here for this team. Anthony Davis doesn't even. And Kenrich Williams kind of ranks right in the middle when it comes to this. But his rebounding's been pretty good, particularly for his position. This is a guy who is grabbing a total of 7.9% of all rebounds when he's on the court. Julius Randle, by comparison, is only grabbing 1.1% more than Kenrich Williams is. Okay, puts it in context a little bit more. Okafor is grabbing 11.3% of all available rebounds. For his position, it's good. It should be lower than those guys. It should probably be significantly lower than those guys, considering that they're power forwards and centers, and this is a guy who plays on the wing, plays that small forward position. He's pretty good on the defensive glass, um, with tw- grabbing 12.3, and he's good enough on the offensive boards, but he hustles on that side, and that's one of the reasons why you're seeing him get that nickname, Kenny Hustle. He kind of gets out there and grabs these sneaky boards when you're not expecting it. Defensively, I think one of the issues has been is he's often having to guard the best perimeter player when it's not Drew Holiday. You've seen him on LeBron James. You've seen him on Kawhi Leonard at times too. Other players like that. Those are the type of guys that are going to make a rookie look bad. And defense takes a while to come into. But as long as he's giving you some three-point shooting and some rebounding, this is a guy who can contribute. He's barely behind Kawhi Leonard when it comes to total rebounding percentage. And he's actually above a guy like Paul George. Shows you kind of where he fits in that range. That he's grabbing some more boards than some of those guys are. Circumstances, of course, are different. But it's worth keeping in mind. This is why I don't think it's just, I want to say it's a success, it's worked out. He's still got a lot to prove. You feel better about a guy like Diallo than you do Kenrich Williams, partially because the shooting has kind of gone away. And if he's only going to kind of be a rebounder and be a liability on defense and a liability on offense, that's not the type of guy you can kind of play significant minutes to. But right now, this team doesn't really have anyone else to play the small forward position. You know, Darius Bertans, maybe. You might have a guy like Etuan Moore when he comes back, play that again, but you don't really want that. Darius Miller, is, who knows if he's going to even be in the league next year, let alone on the team. You may as well give the minutes to this young guy who can at least play a little bit. He also passes somewhat well. You've seen him getting four or five assists in certain games, and it's not just kind of he's going to shoot when the ball hits his hand. It's He can at least keep it moving. He's averaging 1.5 assists on the season, which is actually, all things considered there, not too bad. Um, Post-All-Star break, it's closer to two. So the ball moves a little bit. He's a young player who's growing a little bit more. Not the end of the world, good to see, but I'm still not ready to call this a huge success for the Pelicans just yet. So before we get to the front office stuff and the things I want to tell you about that and why this situation is maybe going to take a little bit to resolve here, that's free agency here is underway. Just in the NFL. What are the Saints doing? Nothing so far, but do they have any big moves planned? Best way to do that is keep up to date Monday through Friday because things happen fast here in the NFL. And that's with the Locked on Saints podcast. Ross Jackson breaking down all the potential rumors, all of the potential signings, and everything you need to know to get set for for NFL. There we go. NFL free agency. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Saints podcast. 
So front office update here for your New Orleans Pelicans. As we all know, Danny Ferry's taken over as interim GM. And my guess would be that if they were to make a decision tomorrow or at the end of this whole process, that interim label will not be removed. And I don't think Danny Ferry's going to be the GM next season. This is a bit of an educated guess based off of people I've talked to around the league and around the team so far. And there's a number of reasons for this. And at the end of the day... I think it's the right decision, maybe for everybody involved in this. So let's kind of dive into this a little bit. First, and I've said this before on the podcast, I've heard that Danny Ferry being such good friends and so close to Dell Demps and being brought in as an advisor, which was partially to rehab his reputation after the stuff in Atlanta, would not feel right taking over for the dude who was doing him kind of that favor, making sure he gets paid, letting him kind of uh, rehab his reputation like that. He just doesn't feel right kind of taking over for a friend who was unceremoniously, or maybe depending on the fans, ceremoniously booted out of the organization. So he doesn't feel quite right about that. And maybe that loyalty that he has to Dell is going to be one of the big reasons why he doesn't take that job. The other parts of it is, I think he does want to be a GM in the league, but I think the situation just has to be right. You know, maybe he wants to be closer to his family, which is in Atlanta. He was spending a lot of time there, kind of telecommuting in, being here once or a couple times a month, not very often. And I think maybe he's just not ready for a huge lifestyle change just yet. And it's just more doing this because the team has asked him and he's here and they need a GM to kind of get them set up. I think he can also use this as potentially a stepping stone for a better job. What I've heard is he wants to leave this franchise in excellent shape when he walks away. Someone new comes in and goes, wow, look at the work Danny Ferry's done here. That can potentially get you any job you want around the league. Maybe it's just this isn't the appealing one. A team going through a rebuild, a team that has an owner that doesn't necessarily think they'll pay the luxury tax or won't necessarily pay the luxury tax. All of that so maybe he just wants to go to a different franchise or a different situation, whatever that might be. Maybe it's a team that's in contention looking to get a new GM to help them over the hump. Or maybe he wants to go to a team with tons and tons of cap space and tons and tons of young assets, draft picks, that just may or may not be here in New Orleans. I think that certainly could be part of it. I think this is also good for the Pelicans because this is a team that's trying to shake the stigma, the reputation, and the perception of what's going on with this team around the league and get rid of that. Not all of it may be true, but sometimes perception is more important than the reality of a situation. And if this team wants to not be thought of as cheap or that they're willing to spend or that they have first-class facilities and all of that, I don't know if you can hire the guy to be the GM and replace your outgoing GM that's just been here all along. You know, this is kind of looking at the Lakers situation and seeing some parallels there. They hired Magic and Palinka and didn't interview or really look at anyone else for that front office position. And that looks really dumb right now. And it's not working out for them. So this team, which has now got Anthony Davis like openly at one point revolting to get away from here and just not wanting to be here and having 29 other teams on his list, depending on the day, instead of this one, well then, do you really want to hire the guy that was at least in the front office and involved with this team for the past couple of years that helped build it to get to that point that Anthony Davis just wanted to go anywhere but here? 
Probably not. That doesn't really look good, does it? Does it mean you're going to spend every expense that they say they're going to do if you just kind of hire the guy who's been here all around and maybe not go for a guy who could be more expensive or a bigger name or a guy who's just a young up and coming guy who's going to demand a lot of money? No, it doesn't shake that. It just looks like the status quo is going to continue on if you hire Danny Ferry. Of no fault to him. It's just the perception and the way this looks. It wouldn't look good. This is a guy who was involved in the Solomon Hill signing. Some of the trades and different things like that. It's not exactly a, a hiring, even though I think highly of Danny Ferry, I think most people around the league do, that necessarily would inspire that kind of confidence in the fan base and kind of shake the status quo up and get rid of those perceptions around the league that this team is looking to do, that this team needs to do. So maybe it's just best for both parties involved if they don't go further after this year. Again, not a knock on Danny Ferry. I think he's a great GM. You look at his track record and you have to like what you've seen. He's a very smart guy. He's an outgoing guy. Look at how much he's talked to the media since the Dell Demps firing. That alone is going to win you some points for me and others. And that he's just very transparent about it. When he spoke to Jen Hale on uh, the Pelicans broadcast the other night, supposedly he just said, ask me anything you want. He wasn't controlling that. Just go ahead, do your job, ask questions, and I will answer. Whereas if that was Dell Demps on there, the questions would have been picked out like a week in advance. And he would have had time to craft the message that he wants because that's just the type of uh, guy he was and the way he worked. Danny Ferry's a little bit different, a little bit more open, a little bit more transparent. I think that's a nice thing. I'd love to have that here in New Orleans. I just, based off what I've heard, based off what I've told you guys, and the way that they need to shake the perception around the league, don't think that that's going to be the case next year. So this is going to keep going on. I don't think we're going to get this resolved before the season ends, let's say. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.